Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Johnson Wealth and Income Management and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities. Johnson Wealth and Income Management is a franchisee of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are associated entities. Welcome to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson, powered by the Retirement Income Store and brought to you by Johnson Wealth and Income Management. Are you living the life you want? Are you prepared for retirement as you believe you should be? What are your goals for retirement and how are you going to reach them? In the next 30 minutes of today's program, let's explore the principles necessary to live the capitalized life and the retirement of your dreams. Now, here's this week's Capitalized Life and Retirement program with your host, Matthew Johnson. And welcome to this episode of the Capitalized Life and Retirement Show. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, president and owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management. And I just want to say thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with me. I hope you're having a fantastic morning. It is just a beautiful time to be able to spend a little bit of each weekend. And I appreciate that time that you spend with me. I want to remind each and every one of our listeners this morning that this episode is powered as it has been for so long, and I'm so appreciative of them, powered by the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store is such a unique and valuable resource for so many of you. You know, I work with individuals that are 55 and over, and one of the first places that I will direct them to go when they want to begin their journey of understanding what they are likely facing in retirement is the Retirement Income Store. I cannot emphasize enough or say enough about them. The valuable resources that they put on their website, the commissioned reports, all of the information is extremely valuable. And you know, when it comes to something as important as our retirement, we're going to be spending potentially 20, 25, 30 years in retirement. We want to make certain that we are doing the very best possible right up front to educate ourselves to give us the greatest chance of survival, if I can put it that way, or of thriving in retirement as is possible. And so today, even though I know that we are drowning in information The information is not good unless it can be actually applied, if it's not simple enough to be understood. And that's what I love about the Retirement Income Store. The information that they provide to investors is just that. It is useful, it is applicable, it is specific, and it is straightforward. So I encourage you to check it out, theretirementincomestore.com, and I know you will not be dissatisfied in any way, you will find them to be an invaluable resource for you. Well, let's get into today's topic. And this one may seem a little bit maybe boring, but it actually is not. It has so many very profound side effects if it is not done properly. And this question was given to me by a gentleman by the name of David. David had written to me by email, and he knows that we do estate planning at our firm with our clients. And he was asking more of an estate planning question, but it had so many more facets to it than just estate planning. And that was the importance of beneficiary designations. And so I hope that this is something that is not 
in any way, shape or form boring to you, but it's thought provoking and then action provoking. Because if you learn something, but you never take massive action to apply what you've learned, well, it obviously doesn't matter and it doesn't really have any benefit to you. So we won't necessarily go into his question because it was very, very specific, but I'm going to start out with some basics and then we will get into his question down the road. So the fact of the matter is, is that we're all going to die. We just don't know how, we don't know when, but we do know, given a long enough time frame, that we're going to die. And the question I have for you is, where is your money going? You see, there should be beneficiary designations for literally everything in your life, everything that has anything to do with money. Now, when it comes to hard, tangible assets like your house, like the farm, like the automobile that you've got sitting in your garage, those can be handled by estate planning mechanisms like a will or a trust. But when it comes to your accounts, when it comes to your money, money in the bank, money in brokerage account, money in annuities, money in life insurance, those dollars need to be designated. Because if they are not designated, they are likely to go to your estate, they are likely to end up going through probate, or they may end up getting lost. I remember, and I know that this is ironic and you can wag your finger at me if you wish to, but I was in a continuing education class one time in Mason City at Nyack, and I was there to learn about estate planning. It was an estate planning continuing education class. And the woman that was teaching the class was talking about the Iowa treasure hunt and how many of her clients had money that was just sitting out there that they never realized that they had sitting out there. And so I ended up taking and typing in my name in the middle of class. And yes, I should have been paying attention, but I grabbed my phone and I looked and I went, whoa, what do you think about that? I had like $500 sitting out there. It was amazing to me. I never would have guessed it. So we are all susceptible to not knowing where our money is going or where our money has gone. So if you're thinking, you know, that really does make sense, or if you have questions about today's discussion, I'm going to encourage you to reach out to me. Call our office at 866-290-3837. My staff will put together some educational materials that I know will be of value to you. And we'll email them to you or we'll mail them if you prefer. If you have questions, we will do our best to answer them for you. Take the first step. Reach out at 866-290-3837. Again, that's 866-290-3837. So beneficiary designations are a very important component. So let's break it down by money type first. So the first thing is is that all of us, or most all of us, have money that is pre-tax. That is money that's sitting in a 401k. That's money that's sitting in traditional IRAs. That's money that's sitting in Roth accounts. And there's a whole host of other things. If you were a doctor or a nurse, you might have, say, a 403b. You might have a 401a. Who knows? The list goes on and on of pre-tax qualified retirement accounts. But these dollars are going to typically be in the account in your name. And that's it. No one else's name is going to be attached to those accounts until at which time you have passed away. 
And when you pass away, that's when the beneficiary designations kick in. But I can tell you from 23 years of experience that there is an awful lot of individuals. I would say it is north of 65 to 70% of employees that have 401ks that have no idea whether their 401k has proper beneficiary designations. You see, anytime you're dealing with a pre-tax account, like a 401k or a traditional IRA, if you are married, if you are a spouse, that means that you need to be listing a primary beneficiary. And in many cases, that primary beneficiary is going to be the spouse that survives you. Now, especially if you're a male, you know that from a statistical standpoint, that women are likely to live longer than men. And we want to make certain that they have use of the money that we have saved for retirement, thereby taking those IRA dollars or 401k dollars and rolling them into an IRA account in their own name. They will still be able to maintain all of the pre-tax and tax-deferred qualities of a tax-deferred account like an IRA or pre-tax where it has grown over the years and you've never been taxed on the growth. You only get taxed on the money that you withdraw from the account in the year in which you withdraw it. But you want to make certain that those dollars go directly to the spouse and the spouse gets the use of that money during their lifetime. They can take it out and blow it lump sum if they wanted to, or they can just add it to what they've saved for retirement so that they have money that will last them the rest of their life. Now, when it comes to pre-tax accounts, we know that you're eventually going to, if you live to now 72, you're going to be required to take money out of those accounts. That's called a required minimum distribution. And we know that when a spouse receives, say, a decedent's IRA, the same rule that applied with required minimum distribution to that decedent is now going to be required by the surviving spouse who receives that money. So we want to make certain that we understand not only where our money is going, but that spouse needs to be educated and knowing what they're going to be responsible for before the IRS when they inherit and receive those dollars. Now, if there is a major age difference between you and your spouse, in other words, let's say that your wife is more than 10 years younger than you are, then you're going to want to specifically make certain that she is being educated about how she assumes and receives this money. Why? Because of the 59 and a half rule, taking it as her own IRA versus taking it as an inherited IRA. Now, let's talk about children for just a moment. Or if we want to be even more broad, we could talk about non-spouse beneficiaries. You see, children are not going to be able to receive mom's IRA or dad's IRA, mom's Roth account or dad's Roth account, mom's 401k or dad's 401k, and keep it as their own. Those accounts need to be rolled into an inherited IRA account or an inherited Roth. Why? Because the IRS says, we let you defer all the taxes and the paying of taxes on this money. We allowed you to grow the money tax deferred. Now, if you're a child, we don't want the next generation holding on to these pre-tax dollars for another 20, 30 years plus not paying us taxes. 
So those accounts are going to be handled differently. They're going to go into an inherited account. And the IRS has changed the rules as of the end of December 2019. So now this is going into an inherited IRA in which the account is going to forcibly require that 100% of the money gets distributed within a 10-year time frame. There is no exceptions to this rule where children used to be able to create what was called a lifetime payout or a stretch IRA. Well, the IRS says no more of that. We're going to go 10 years and 10 years only. Now, they can take the money out sooner than that, but it has to be required to be completely depleted and received by that child within 10-year time frame. Now, what about non-qualified money? Well, non-qualified money is money that you've earned, you've paid the taxes on. And this is an interesting one because non-qualified money under most circumstances are going to be tax-free to a spouse and they will be tax-free to a child. Let me give you an example. Let's say that we just think about farm ground for just a moment. And let's say that you had purchased farm ground for 4,000 an acre and today it's worth 8,000 an acre and you sold it. Well, if you did that, you know that there would be $4,000 worth of capital gains. You bought it for four, you sold it for eight. But when you die and that money is passed on, there is what is referred to as a step up in cost basis. So that means that you bought it for 4000 you died and it's now worth eight. And let's say that that spouse or that child receives it. Now there's typically going to be this step up in cost basis, which means that there will be no capital gains tax on that money. Does this mean that we don't want to have beneficiary designations? Not at all. We want to make certain that that account, that brokerage account of stocks or bonds or, say, municipals or index funds or mutual funds, that they are having a beneficiary designation so that the money is divided appropriately based upon what your desires and your final wishes are. Now, we're coming up on a break, so I really want to encourage you to reach out to me at 866-290-3837. If you have questions, we will answer them. So take the first step. Reach out at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. The education is going to continue on into the second half of our program this morning. So stay tuned because we want to continue to discuss non-qualified, and then we're going to get to bank money. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You're locked on to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson, powered by the Retirement Income Store. Have you missed any of today's program? No problem. You can hear all of our shows online anytime, 24-7 at johnsonwim.com. That's johnsonwim.com. Time now for more of the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson, powered by the Retirement Income Store. And welcome back to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Show. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, president and owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management. If you're just joining us, welcome to the program. If you stuck with us, welcome back. Today, we're talking about the topic of beneficiary designations. And beneficiary designations, yeah, it may seem pretty boring on the outside, 
but internally it has a massive degree of effect on people and their money. You see, I'm a big believer that every single penny that you have that is with an institution, I don't care if it's with your employer retirement program, if it's your personal investment IRA, Roth account, I don't care if it's in your bank, I don't care where the money is, a life insurance policy, an annuity contract. Beneficiary designations are important not only because you know you're going to die, but because you want to make certain to keep the money out of your estate. You want to make certain that that money goes to where you want it to go. So we were talking about non-qualified assets. And you see, non-qualified assets, it sounds pretty simple. If I own a brokerage account or I own a piece of ground and let's say that I have stocks or I have farm ground and it has appreciated since I bought it. Now, when I die, there is going to be no capital gains tax because the IRS then conveys all of those assets to the children, let's say, and they receive it at today's current value. But non-qualified money is not always treated the same way. Let me give you a for instance. Non-qualified money is money that you've earned, you've paid the taxes on, and hopefully has been appreciating over this course of time. And the idea of having your money in stocks or index or bonds or whatever you have in your brokerage account, this step up in cost basis is kind of a nice thing. That means that we can buy these positions and watch them grow. And when we die, there won't be any tax consequences necessarily on them. But there is an exception to the rule, and the exception is annuities. You see, annuities are one of these things that we have to be oh so careful of. If you own an annuity, you may be sitting on a tax time bomb, not only for yourself, but also for your spouse and also for your children, because there is absolutely zero way around the tax treatment of an annuity contract. You see, it is not treated in the same way as a stock or a bond or a piece of farm ground or a piece of real estate in general. It is something that is allowing this money to accumulate tax deferred. It is growing. You put 100000 in, now it's worth 150000 But guess what is happening? The interest that you're earning, the 50000 that you earned on the $100,000 deposit is now sitting at the top of the glass. And if you withdraw the money, the IRS forces the insurance company to distribute to you the interest first. However, when you die, unlike farm ground, unlike stocks, unlike bonds, unlike so many different instruments that you can invest in, it is the annuity contract that will not allow for any step up in cost basis. That can be a problem. So when it comes to investing, especially if you have annuities, it is always a good idea to have a second opinion, a second set of eyes to be able to determine if there is going to be some tax ramifications that you never realized were there because potentially that was something that was glossed over in the conversation when the annuity contract was being sold to you. And I encourage all of you as listeners, if you have questions, please go to our website, www.johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, W-I-M stands for Wealth Income Management, dot com. 
and post your question to us. Reach out to us. Let us know what kind of topics you'd like to hear us discuss on each episode every Saturday morning. Now, let's talk about bank money. Bank money is also non-tax qualified, correct? You have earned it. You've paid the income tax on. You've got the money in the checking. You've got it in the savings. You've got it in the CDs. But all too often, I find that my clients have not gone to the bank and specifically allocated beneficiary designations to their bank money. And lo and behold, every bank has the capability of doing beneficiary designations on bank accounts. But all too often, it's never conveyed or explained to you that you can do that. There hasn't been a bank teller yet that I have visited in my entire life that said, well, who would you like to receive this money should you die, Matthew? It is on us as the individual bank client or bank customer to ask the bank to designate our accounts at the time of death. So what would we do? Well, in this case, we have to keep in mind that we have the ability of doing a POD, pay on death. So if you have a CD and those CDs are something that you've just allowed to accumulate and roll, number one, I am so sorry that you're having to deal with such a low interest rate environment because there is so many different things that could be allowing you and affording you to have relative safety, but a much larger return on your money. Interest and dividends that are in the 4 5 and 6% range today, as opposed to the paltry one half of 1%, three quarters of a percent, one, one and a quarter percent in CDs. So think about that. But number two, realize that if you are bound and determined to keep your money in CDs, you are in a position where when you die, it is likely that the CD, the bank account, the savings account, the checking account, those accounts are going to be in your estate and a part of your estate unless you have designated a beneficiary. Now, this beneficiary doesn't necessarily have to be your children. It could be your spouse. It could be a jointly owned CD, a jointly owned checking and savings account, which is pretty common. So that means that when you die, there is no problem. But then you're going to want to make certain that at the death of the first person, that the second person really makes certain to list of beneficiaries so that that money is paid from the bank directly to the beneficiaries that you so choose. So many times we don't realize that we have a choice. Next in line is life insurance. Now, life insurance is a whole new can of worms, and I won't get into many facets of life insurance, but other than to realize that life insurance can come in two different forms. We can have life insurance that is permanent. We can have life insurance that is temporary. That's called term insurance. But you know what I see is people that have purchased life insurance many, many, many years ago and they never paid attention to the beneficiary designations. They haven't reviewed their beneficiary designations to make certain that their beneficiary designations are up to date and relevant. Children get born. Children get divorced. Children die. We have children that move away. We have relationships that stay intact and relationships that erode. We have all sorts of variables that can take place within our life and especially with our relatives. And we want to make certain, especially in the form of divorce, that we update our beneficiaries. Do not take it for granted that your attorney took it upon themselves to update the beneficiaries on your life insurance policies. 
How bad would it be that you got a divorce and yet you never remember to update the beneficiaries? And when you died, now instead of that death benefit going to your children, that death benefit goes to an ex-spouse. Now, maybe that's going to be the case because that was the divorce decree that actually was set forth as a precedent. But that doesn't mean that all of your life insurance policies are that way. So may I suggest that when it comes to beneficiary designations, we want to make not only certain that our pre-tax accounts, our after-tax accounts, our bank money, but also our life insurance is all simultaneously being updated and you're making certain that that money goes where you want it to go. Now, life insurance can be a wonderful way of leveraging your dollars. What do I mean by that? Well, today we know that our children are inheriting more debt than ever before. We know that our children are consuming upon themselves more debt than ever before because of the low interest rate environment. And though that's not necessarily our problem, I have so many of my clients that want to be able to assist their children and give them a legacy. Well, if you're going to give a legacy, of course, if you have an IRA, that can be a legacy, but it's going to be a taxable one. You can give a non-qualified account, but you realize that there's limitations to that. The brokerage account might be able to afford a step up in cost basis, but if you have a lot of annuities, well, that money will be given to them, but there will definitely be tax ramifications if there's gains within that annuity. So life insurance is like investing a dollar and getting a dollar and 30 cents in return. Why do I say that? Because you see, that's how the rich leverage their money. Life insurance is also like the permission slip to spend your retirement. Because think about it, you could spend it, and when you die, all of a sudden, it comes back in the form of tax-free death benefit. So the question that so many clients ask is, well, is there any other benefits to life insurance? There definitely is. Number one, the life insurance can come in two different forms. Permanent, as I said, which is more expensive, but will, if it's written properly, guarantee that the death benefit will be paid regardless. Term insurance is probably the best way to leverage your money. In fact, it's going to take very few dollars of your own money to get a big benefit if you should die. But the problem is, is that you may end up dying after the term insurance has run out. That's the reason that so many times permanent life insurance is a better deal because it guarantees that that death benefit will be in play. But did you know that there is ways that you can do tax sheltering within a life insurance policy? You see, we can add money to our life insurance policies if they're written in the right way that affords us to be able to earn interest on our money and then withdraw that money back out our dollars that we invested and do it totally tax-free, leaving all of the interest inside the life insurance. And guess what? When you pass away, that cash that was interest is still paid out to the beneficiaries totally tax-free. Life insurance can also be used today, if it's written properly, to help provide you long-term care benefits. And you say, well, I don't want to buy a long-term care policy because I might never use it and therefore all those premiums are gone. That is true until you consider the life insurance policy that is blended with long-term care benefits. Now you can reduce the death benefit by the amount of money that you withdraw from the policy 
in order to cover the long-term care. And when you die, if there is benefits left over, it is paid tax-free to your beneficiaries. You see, I don't care if you have permanent insurance or term insurance. As long as you have the insurance in force when you die, it will pay a death claim. But beneficiary designations are one of the most wonderful, inexpensive ways to be able to make certain that your money goes exactly where you want it to go without all of the fingers in the pie. I've got some articles that I have posted with regards to Persterpes versus per capita, some technical terms on beneficiaries, but I also encourage you to come to some of my webinars where I teach specifically about beneficiary designations through our estate planning class. And so make certain you stay up to date, make certain you're watching our website for those so that you can be engaged and you can teach yourself what you need to know as you continue to pursue your success in retirement. So if some part of today's discussion really resonated with you and you have questions about today's discussion, you have questions that you want to have answered with regards to something that we discussed, I'm going to encourage you, do the right thing and reach out to me at 866-290-3837. My team will put together some materials for you that I know will be of value and we'll email them to you or we'll toss them in the mail if you prefer. If you have questions, I will do my very best to spend a few moments to answer those questions for you. So take the first step. Reach out to us at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Matthew Johnson. And remember, it's up to you to make it a great day. That's all the time we have for today. To schedule 15 minutes with Matthew off the air, call 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. And for more information, visit us online at johnsonwim.com. That's johnsonwim.com. We will be back again next week at this same time for another Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson.